All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode and actually a special series of the Boca Podcast, Brand Position Consultation. And I'm here with Mariah Sales. Thank you so much for being willing to let us air this conversation, Mariah. Not a problem, Nathan. Thank you for having me. I am a glutton for punishment. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. So I, I, when I saw you on online on Facebook, I said, have your way with me. I wasn't kidding. Um, because I learned by being immersed. I'm one of those immersive learners. Mm. I have to be in it to be able to grasp it. Well, I, and I have a feeling I'm going to be, I'm going to feel like the lucky one here today too, because you're naturally a conversationalist. You mentioned to me before we got started that um, you're, you have a psychology background. In fact, the work that you do is in the psych world, correct? Correct. It is. Um, I'm a school psychologist. That's my nine to five job. And that would be the second of my careers that I've gone through in my life. I, wow. Yeah, I, I get, I don't know if bored is, is the right word, but maybe it is. I, I just find myself, you know, oh, this really intrigues me and I go for it. Yeah. Photography has always been in the background, but at this phase in my life now, I'm hoping to shift and get into photography a little bit more Okay. because um, being a school psychologist is great. I love the connections I have with my kids, mm. um, but we deal with a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. And like I mentioned to you before, you need to find your happiness, mm. find out what keeps you, you know, burning bright so that you don't burn out. Yeah. And that's photography for me. So I, I definitely want to make sure that I'm doing more of that. I love that. And and if, if I was to totally geek out here, we'd just put this all aside and I just ask you all kinds of questions about your job because I'm so fascinated by the psychology world. But um, we'll keep going. Um, okay. and, and ultimately, this this conversation, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I, I want to say these things for everybody listening in as well. It is meant to be just that. It's a conversation. You're going to hear Mariah and I go back and forth here. I want to get a little bit of context to what Mariah is ultimately looking for. And then I want to help her at least move in the direction of establishing a clear and distinct brand position for her her business. Um, in the Rhode Island market. And um, and I guess just to kind of get us started, for everybody listening in, if you want to see Mariah's website, you can go to piperbrownphotography.com. And uh, it's the same thing on Instagram, Piper Brown Photo on Instagram. We'll link to both of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, but before we get into it, Mariah, can you just give me and everybody listening in a little bit of context as to what you're hoping to accomplish with the conversation today? Well, today I really want to understand how my, how one, what my brand position should be um, and then how it will influence every aspect of my business, because I want people to be able to recognize my work, not just by seeing the logo, but by recognizing, Hey, that looks like the Mariah picture. And I think that has something to do with your brand. You mentioned a book, building a story brand. Yeah. um, And I had read that. That was one of my, my goal, total aside, one of my um, goals for the year is to read 20, um, nonfiction books wow. this year. Wow. So building a story brand was one of them. And I read it and I need to get it again because I borrowed it from the library. Okay. So I'm like going to buy it myself and like write all the notes um, and all the stuff. But one oh, of the- I'm, I'm going to send you a copy. No questions asked. Oh. I'm sending you a copy so you can have that. Thank I, you. I love that book and you should have a copy. So I'll do that. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing book. Um, and it, it talks about building your brand and, you know, who's the hero of your story and making mm. sure. And, you know, these are concepts that are out there and I, and I grasp it, but I have to read it over and over and over again and, you know, take one chunk at a time and make sure that I can apply it. So that's what I'm hoping for today to figure out what chunk of that story brand is going to be for me and then applying it 
And then I'll come back to you next year and go, okay, what's the next challenge? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. But you know, but that's, that's what I'm hoping to get out today. Wonderful. And, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up that book too, because building a story brand, Donald Miller, this is one of the most poignant business related books that I've read in probably all of my career as an entrepreneur, photographer, or otherwise. Um, and one of the reasons that's the case is because, you know, and you've probably experienced this more, I, a lot of business or self-help books, you, you, 70, 80% of it's fluff. And then like 20% of it, you can actually do something with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Donald's book, it's kind of the other way around. There's so much practical, actionable information there. It's not difficult to understand. You can just take it and do something with it. And I'd love it for that reason. Uh, so for anybody listening in, if you have not read this book yet, I cannot recommend it enough. We'll put it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. I'm really glad that you highlight that. Um, I mentioned, I, I alluded to the Rhode Island market, but would you say, if, if somebody asks you what market you're based in, would you say just Rhode Island? Is there particular areas that you like to work in? I would say Southern New England. So Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. And not for any other reason, it's just the, that's my circle of travel. I'm really comfortable with those areas. I've gone to New Hampshire. Um, I've gone beyond, like into New York and beyond. So, but I really sort of, I find myself centering myself when I, whenever I do marketing or whatever, I try to stay within that Southern New England range. Okay. That makes sense. And it's important to note the market. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you both, both you, Mariah, mm -hmm. and to everybody listening too, but it's important to understand the the market that you're in for uh, multiple reasons. First of all, as we're going to do just a little bit later, we're going to look at your so-called competition. What are what are they saying? Uh, what is their message? What is their marketing message? Uh, what services are they offering? And being aware of those things that enables us to effectively position our business against that competition. Now, by the way, I know community over competition, 110%, I'm on board with that idea. But when we're looking at this objectively from the clients or potential clients perspective, we have to look at other photographers as competition. So what we want to do is position ourselves clearly against them, being aware of the market and what the photographers are doing in that market or markets that we want to work in is really important element of this effort of establishing a clear and distinct brand position. Um, the other thing too is if if in doing that research we realize, uh, you know, I'm focusing on let's just say three to five larger cities or even small cities, but I'm focusing my attention and effort on these markets, and really I'm trying to keep up with too much. If I just focus my effort and my attention and energy in this one market, there might actually be an opportunity to maybe not necessarily have a monopoly. But I realized that, for example, wedding photography or a particular distinction of wedding photography is not really being offered in this market. If I focus all my marketing efforts there, um, not only does my time become much more efficient, but ultimately I'll be able to get more business more effectively as a result. So that's something else to just to kind of to throw in there. Before we get into what your business looks like right now, just to give context to our listeners, there really are, I mean, first of all, brand position, we're talking about the unique value proposition the UVP, if you will, of our business in our market. Uh, or put another way, if somebody hears your name uh, or your business's name, they immediately think, oh, that's so-and-so. They do this, right? It's the position that we maintain in the market's mind about what our business represents. So for example, I'm a wedding photographer, let's say in Chattanooga, where I live, and I photograph only in black and white or only deliver black and white images, that would immediately create some distinction. I, I would call myself um, a black and white, or I would say black and white wedding photography for Chattanooga couples might be my brand position statement. 
And what's interesting about that is, first of all, if they land on my site and they see that, they immediately know what is unique about my service. I'm not just saying I'm a wedding photographer. I'm saying I'm a photograph black and white or photograph weddings in black and white. And then I also call out a market for Chattanooga couples. So the first benefit of having a clear and distinct brand position is it enables potential clients to immediately know your UVP, especially if you have it prominently displayed on the homepage, above the fold of, of, your, uh, of the homepage of your website, in the profiles of my social media accounts. I immediately and very clearly and concisely can communicate what my UVP is. So that's the first benefit. Second benefit, as I mentioned, is it filters irrelevant potential clients. If somebody lands on my site and they see that I only photograph weddings in black and white, they're going to say, oh, that's incredible. I love that idea. I want to know more. Or there's no way. I need color in my weddings too. I'm going to go look for somebody else. So it immediately acts as a filter. The third benefit, it simplifies and focuses marketing efforts. If I only shoot weddings in black and white, all of my marketing efforts are going to be geared around this one big idea. And so it focuses it. I don't have to juggle multiple messages as many photographers may be doing, whether they're doing it consciously or subconsciously. If they're offering five different services and they talk about how their brand is joyful and bright and airy and all these other cliche words that we use a lot in our industry these days, they're juggling a lot of different messages. We want to narrow the marketing efforts down and you can do that with a clear and distinct brand position. The fourth benefit it encourages better time management because if I'm not trying to do anything else other than build my business around this position, I know exactly how to spend my time. Anything comes along, I can say that's relevant or it's irrelevant and I can filter accordingly. And so it makes us more efficient business owners as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Any thoughts on those benefits, Mariah? No, I was just taking copious notes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm not talking too fast. No, not at all. Um, because, you know, as you were saying things, so I, I just said to you earlier, you know, I, I travel in Southern New England, but then I thought of, as you were talking about time management and eliminating clutter, I was just like, I just made a giant market for myself. So how, can I, <laughs> how can I bring it back in, yeah. you know, and make sure that I'm funneling the right people to me? So 100%. Lots of notes. Now, the only caveat to that, and we could spend a decent amount of time on this, but we won't today. But the caveat is if you pick a really distinct marketing message or brand position more specifically, for example, let's take my black and white wedding photographer idea. If I were Mm -hmm. to do that in the Chattanooga market, which is, you know, I mean, half a million in the broader Chattanooga area, it's a relatively conservative southern market. Um, mm-hmm. like there's a likelihood that I may not be able to book enough business to support my financial goals with that narrow a focus. So at mm-hmm. that point, the idea of opening up to, let's say the Tennessee market, just as a simple example, might make more sense because I'm going to now have a much larger market to pull from with this very clear and distinct brand position. So we kind of have to adjust the position to accommodate the market or vice versa in order to, to support our kind of top end or big picture goals. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So what do you currently, if anything, um, tell your potential clients that you specialize in as a photographer? I tell them that I'm um, a wedding photographer primarily okay. who occasionally does like, like selective um, family portraiture. Okay. I've tried to sort of, you know, flight uh, expand into seniors, but that's really, that's fledgling right now. Uh, my bread and butter are weddings because I love weddings. I love the energy of weddings. Yeah. And then when I do families, it's, there are those seasonal uh, moments in time 
Um, in Rhode Island, we have a tulip farm. And so I do something around that. Um, and then in the fall, because it's New England, I do something in the fall. And that's really kind of about, about it for families. What percentage would you say of your work or even revenue is from weddings versus family work? Oh, 90, 10 okay. weddings. So I'm really, I'm really a wedding photographer. And, and this is important, again, for context for everyone, this is important to consider, especially if you're looking at your own business and deciding, okay, how do I focus my efforts here? First of all, let's look at all the different services that I might be offering currently or the genres of photography I'm involved in. What percentage of you know, the, for example, in this case, wedding photography, what percentage of the revenue is that particular service generating? If it, in this case, is 90%, then it makes sense to go ahead and focus all the efforts there, at least for the sake of marketing. It's not that you can't also photograph families. And in fact, I think when we get to talking more specifically about potential brand position statements for you, you might even see an opportunity to to offer portrait sessions to your couples down the road as they as they grow their families. Nonetheless, in the marketing, on the marketing side of things, making the message really simple, part of making it simple is narrowing the services that we're offering. And so if you know already that 90% of your revenue is coming from weddings and it's not going to hurt you to, to drop off a different service, at least when it comes to the marketing side of things, what's shown on the website and so forth, then, then you're good to go. Uh, but mm-hmm. for those of you listening in, do consider that as you're deciding what, how to narrow down your focus, do look at where you're getting the majority of your revenue. And that's likely the direction that you should go if that fits your, um, your overarching goals. So what would you say if you were to describe it? And maybe you've heard feedback from your clients as well, but what would you say makes your photography brand, maybe even your technique, editing style, or otherwise, anything, uh, what would you say is unique? A lot of my clients tell me that I'm fun. I'm very laid back and somehow I managed to get pictures that they didn't know they wanted. Mm. Um, but they seemed, it seemed like we were all just having fun. So they're, you know, that's, that's what I want to sort of capitalize on because I enjoy weddings. Like it's a lot of fun for me. Okay. Um, so that's the one thing that I think a lot of, but I don't know if that's unique because I, I don't see any other wedding photographers as not being fun. And you know what? I'm really glad you brought this up. This is you're you're the first guest that we've had on talking about brand position. That's even kind of asked that question. Um, that's a really interesting thing to consider. If we make a statement uh, as our brand position statement, if we make that statement, what we should naturally consider is what's on the what's the opposite of that thing. It, because as you alluded to, some photographers and and I'm gonna uh, we're gonna read off some of the position statements that I found on some of your competition's website in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of the position statements um, highlighted that fact that this particular phot- photographer is focused on time. I'll go ahead and read it here: timeless imagery for the joyful romantic. When you make a statement like that, when you're looking at this process logically, the the question that I ask is, what's the opposite of that? And does it even make sense that there are photographers that might be focusing on the opposite of that? I'm, cr- I'm trying to position myself against the market. So are there photographers who photograph unhappy couples? And is it really logical to make a statement like that? One would assume that most people, anyway, I hope, are if they're getting married, they're excited, they're happy in one way or another. And so needing to put, I don't know that it's necessary to put a qualifier or an adjective like that in a position statement because it's obvious. Now, the caveat here, and I think there, we could explore this a little bit more, but most or a lot of people, I think, have this picture in mind of a wedding photographer uh, or even wedding photography as kind of a chore, like something they have to do on the wedding day. 
you have the opportunity. If, if your clients are already saying they have so much fun with you and you can actually back that up, it just, it wasn't like a one-off experience here and there, but that, that is your personality. That's what you like to bring, the energy that you like to bring to the wedding. There might be a really interesting opportunity to, I mean, you could literally say something as simple as Rhode Island's fun wedding photographer. Now, the, the caveat being, as simplistic as that might seem, nobody else is saying it, number one. And two, it immediately creates distinction because of the assumption that many people make about wedding photography and what it might be like. It's going to take a bunch of time. It's going to keep me from hanging out with my friends. I won't be able to just go to the bar and get drinks. You have the opportunity to change the perception of what a wedding photographer can be, which if you do, if you actually follow through on that, on the other side mm-hmm. of that could be a massive amount of referrals because they're like, oh my word, you're getting married. You've got you've to gotta connect with Mariah because she is so much fun. It was so great to have her there as the wedding photographer. Um, there's a really interesting opportunity there. You'd have to make sure that not only the imagery backs up, so literally everything that you show on your website is just like oozing with fun, dancing, laughing, smiling, everything reflects that message. And then everything that you do in the experience that you create, whether it's the engagement sessions, or if you meet with clients in person, you may have to go the extra mile to do a little bit of brainstorming to make sure that that experience, every bit of the experience is just oozing with fun, upbeat, positive energy, easy session that doesn't take too long. And even that you make fun because you did this thing or that thing, um, that, that would be really important to back up the message. But I think it's actually an interesting one to, to consider. It is. I was just thinking, um, so one of the things I struggle with, and I know we've all heard this, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you need to do it. Some of my favorite images are people being completely ridiculous. Yeah. And then in my head, as you were talking, I, I, I started thinking, how many of those ridiculous images do I have on my site? <laughs> Not a one. <laughs> because I want to show, you know, what everyone else is showing. Yeah. So how, how do I differentiate myself from that? So another copious note. Well, but it's, and you bring up a brilliant point though, which is that photographers, and I've certainly been guilty of it. Photographers have a tendency of just kind of copying and pasting what they see their favorite photographers doing. And so, yeah, you end up with a lot of websites that say a lot of the same things and look very similar. Um, There's opportunity to create distinction by going the opposite direction. Uh, And and I think you could really do that with a statement. We'll come back to that because I think there's a lot there. Uh, uh-huh. But let's just talk briefly about why you're even doing photography in the first place. And to give context to the question, when we talk about creating a distinct brand position, ideally, everything in the business is then going to be kind of focused around this brand position, how we spend our time, our marketing efforts, the type of clients that we're working with, the experience that we're creating for those clients, everything centers around this brand position now. So we need to make sure that the brand position is based in our values, what's most important to us personally, yes and as a photography business owner. So for those of you listening in, that's why I'm asking this question. But Mariah, what comes to mind there? So why I'm doing photography? Yeah, what was the general? motivation in the first place? Like what, what made you, and you alluded to this a little bit already, but what made you say, oh, I want to pick up that camera and go photograph that wedding? So I feel like I'm a little bit of, have you ever seen my cousin Vinny, Marissa Tomei? My uncle was a mechanic. My father was a mechanic. My uncle's uncle was a mechanic. I haven't seen it personally, but I've, I've heard of it. You have got to rectify that. But okay. That's the point. Yes, okay. ma'am. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you've got to rectify that. So okay. um, family of photographers. My uncle was a photographer. Wow. Two uncles were a photographer, sister a photographer. But it's not the fact that they were photographers. I've just always been around photography. It's that there is something about looking at pictures hmm. that brings me back to the moment. So there are some pictures that my uncles have taken of me. 
that I remember. I remember where I was standing, the smell of the trees, wow. um, how the sun was shining. Like, like, and I was one of those kids who grew up when we went out to friends' homes, we would go p- open up albums and then we'd experience this thing. And I was immersed in yeah. this experience of reliving memories. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm, I'm part of something bigger than myself. And so wedding photography. So I, I started out like many other people. Um, I did the normal job. Then I had children and then I started taking pictures of them because I wanted to have that same experience with my kids mm. of, that I had with my uncles. But then somehow I got sucked into helping my sister with a wedding and it was like, Oh my gosh, not only do I get to look at the pictures, I'm in the moment creating those pictures. Wow. And, and so it just, it just sucked me in. I don't think I could have avoided it if I wanted to. That's why I love weddings so much because there's so much going on. And I want people to remember that, not mm. just, not the formality of getting married, not just the formality of, and I mean, those are very important, but I've had clients come to me and say, this picture that you took with our grandfather, you know, where he was being silly or where he was dancing, you know, this is the last time we saw him looking like this, Wow. you know? And again, it's those, it's those interactions that um, kind of drew me into wedding photography mm. and, and I get to be a part of it. And I know we're supposed to sort of distance ourselves a little bit. I don't know. That's what I've heard. Um, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't at all. I cry when people are crying. I laugh when people are I am, I'm so immersed because it, it just, it pulls me in. And I love the challenge of trying to make a picture that shows you how you were feeling at that moment. Mm. So that's why I do wedding photography. And to know that uh, one day you're going to look back and, you know, see those. I think I said it on, um, on an Instagram live once. I want to bring back the art, the, the old art of flipping through wedding albums, like mm. going to someone's house and just looking through and, oh, I remember this and that kind of a thing. Interesting. So it's that idea of helping them relive those experiences through the photographs. Correct. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that too, because I, I, okay. I think we're going somewhere good with this. But I, I have to say also, and just to kind of break the fourth wall for everybody listening in, if you go to Piper Brown Photography in the about section, I had a little bit of a cheat sheet here, Mariah, because you actually, you have a section there that says my philosophy as a photographer. So I just want to read these and kind of get your take on them. Um, you say, number one, to make bright, beautiful images that make my clients smile each time my images catch their eye. When, when you say bright and beautiful, um, I don't know, maybe that speaks for itself, but is there a particular image that comes to mind? What does that sound like or look like to you? It it sounds, it well, when I think of that, I, I think of uh, images that have the most color. Okay. Um, usually on a sunny day, and if there isn't sun, I try to make sun. I am an OFC off-camera flash photographer because I think there's something about that pop of light that brightens up an image no matter where it is. Absolutely. But, yes, natural light can do, but not not the same. Okay. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of bright, colorful. I, I don't, I like black and white when I'm telling street photography or stories. I've gone to some classes, mm. but I really like color. Yeah. I try to find the most color, the most colorful thing catches my eye. Okay. And then the next one you say to make the visual record of your story for your children and grandchildren, grandchildren, I'm telling them your story, uh, it speaks to the idea of legacy, right? Yes. Definitely. Um, so I am a wedding photographer who does not have a wedding album and it kills me. Interesting. I, I never got one. Wow. And so 
I don't have, so I, I made books for my children and we go back regularly and I, they go through their books, but I don't have a wedding. I actually, that was going to be my summer project this year was to find all the pictures I could for my wedding and make my own wedding album. Hmm. It's not going to be the same. I know, but I'm, I'm going to have it. Absolutely. Well, but I mean, that's, you know, that would be really a whole, a whole different conversation. But if we're, if, if you end up running on a brand position that centers around the idea of legacy, there's a wonderful opportunity then to highlight the significance of an album. And I, I can imagine somebody landing, I mean, you could have in, in your website navigation, a, a link that just says albums and they click on that and they land on the page and it literally says, I'm a wedding photographer who doesn't have a wedding album. And that's like, that's the big, bold text. And they're like, wait, what? And then you draw them in, you draw them in with that headline. And then you tell the, the brief story because you don't want to give them too much text to have to sift through. And then you, you communicate the value of that album as it relates to your brand position, the significance of legacy. So um, I, there's so many different fun directions we can go with this, but I, I, that's really a compelling statement. I'm the wedding photographer who doesn't have a wedding album. There might be something there that we could play with. The next point that you make here on, on the site, the about page, is to bring back the lost art of flipping through albums with mm-hmm. our friends and family by encouraging all my clients to print their pictures. So we've kind of talked about that. And then you say to celebrate and enjoy with my clients as they take the next step in the journey of their lives. I can't photograph happiness if I don't feel it. And then the last point was to make as many friends of clients as I can. So talk a little bit about, and this might be kind of interesting too, being a psychologist. Um, I, I know that as you alluded to earlier, in many cases, at least for a psychologist, there is this so-called need or supposed need to create some kind of emotional distance from the person that you're engaging with, understandably. But what does it look like for you engaging with your, your clients and feeling what they feel, having a certain level of empathy that enables you to then photograph them more effectively? I think that because I can, I can go beyond what my professional barrier is, mm. it helps me. I, I'm no longer... Yes, I'm telling a story, but it's it's almost like I'm telling it, like I, I'm shifting my perspective and I'm trying to look through that person's eyes and tell that story. Um, I feel that I need to be able to, even, you know, because brides and grooms and couples are going through so many emotions mm-hmm. and they're going through so much on that day that they can't take it all in. I want to be able to, when they're calm, for them to go, that's what my day looked like. And I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that, because they be, they've become my friend yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, they, they, I, I would not, you know, I don't want to run them down. I, I want to make sure that I'm doing my level best for them. And I, and I know that sounds cliche, but I'm, I can't find the words to explain it any better. Because before the wedding, I asked them what's important to them. Who are the important people who are coming? Um, what does this person mean to you on the day of the wedding when their bridesmaids are around them? How do you know this person from where, from college? Oh my gosh, I know this college. And, you know, and I start, and I start making the connections with them because I think it opens when you make connections with people, they open up to you. Um, and those are, you know, sincere. Like, I don't, (laughs) I, I don't think your car salesman might try to make a connection. (laughs) It feels very different. A hundred percent. You can tell just in the tone of the voice. Exactly. Like yeah. I, I'm genuinely interested in people. I, I'm a people watcher mm. and I, I, you know, maybe I should have been a sociologist, not a psychologist <laughs> that might've worked. But once I, once I find a way to connect, you know, um, 
be it through uh, some pop culture thing or educational thing or whatever. Once I find that in, I use that to be able to just make sure that I'm telling the story that they they want to be told. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm speaking in circles. Not at all. No, it's it's good. I, I like to hear you thinking out loud. And um, I, I think there is something significant to... Actually, and I'm actually curious to get your take, again, as a psychologist on this, but when, when it comes to the idea of connecting with somebody on a deep level, I mean, if you, if you go to many photographers' websites, they speak to the, the significance of relationships. I'm a photographer who focuses on relationships. In fact, in some ways, that's one of those other kind of cliche things that's talked about quite a bit. It's, it's a good thing. The idea is mm-hmm. great. But I do wonder, how do we effectively, I, maybe I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I'm just curious since we're on the topic, how do we effectively connect with as many people as we work with on a deep enough level that it actually makes a difference while simultaneously not totally exhausting ourselves? Do you think that we have the capacity as human beings to to make that really deep connection, to be able to, um, I guess, give that that significant and emotional resource to this many people that we work with and walk away and still be able to, to do that for our family and our close friends? Do we have the capacity for that? Yes, I do. Because you... I'm not. I'm not trying to connect with them on all levels. I'm okay. just trying to find one or two. Fair. And okay. then, and then hang on to that because one, if you connect too much, <laughs> then they get to see. You know how we say, you know, our children behave well in public, but then they come home and melt down. It's because they've got all the connections with us. They they know they're safe enough mm. to melt down in front of us, and okay. the love is still there, and we're still going to welcome them, but they can still be themselves. I don't really want to melt down in front of my clients. <laughs> I, I want to be able to have the one or two connections um, so that when I see them down the, the way, you know, two, three years from now, mm. we still have that, that singular connection yeah. that enables me to start up a conversation with them. Hmm. I find that weddings where I am too connected, where I have too many things going on, I have to, I find myself taking a moment to step back. Oh. So that I can re- remain the storyteller person, okay, you know, and I don't need to be involved in what's going on with the wedding and helping that those are the rides that you know they don't might not have a coordinator and they need someone to keep them organized. And I'm like, wait, 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 Mario, you're the photographer, you're not the organizer. Go <laughs> in and do that. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, brides where I don't have a the the ones where I don't have any connection whatsoever. Those are the weddings that are the hardest for me to shoot because I just want to be done. Hmm. I just, I'm like, okay, is it over yet? Those are the ones that I'm looking at my watch and they're few and far between, but I don't want to lie and say, oh, I, you know, I never get someone that no, those are the people I never follow up with um, because I have no reason to. Right. Well, for, for whatever the reason they, they probably aren't interested and there's no sense of trying to push through that and, and create something Correct. with the limited amount of time that we have with them, um, which brings us back to, I mean, that that the potential of exploring that position statement, which addresses the fun that you like to have. If you if you come out really clear with a position statement that says up front, this is the kind of photographer I am and this is the experience that I'm going to bring to you. And then you have that imagery that backs it up. They immediately can make a, a distinction of, oh, my word, I want this or this is not what I had in mind. I wanted that prim and proper and, you know, yeah. perfectly posed and, or I wanted That's the Vogue magazine styled me. shoot look like all that. They know that, that you're not a fit or they know you're 
definitely the fit and they're going to come to you. So I, I, I still think that's a really great possibility, but let's actually look at just briefly your competition in the market. And for everybody listening in, one of the, the quickest ways that you can go about creating a distinct brand position in your market is to do a Google search. Simple as that. Um, if you pull up Google, and my suggestion would be to look at the first three or four pages of Google results when you Google whatever the genre and the marketplace that you're in. So for example, in this case, I Googled Rhode Island wedding photographer. And the first three pages of um, results uh, outside of the ads, um, I looked at, I got to look at about 20 different businesses, photography businesses, proprietorships, sole proprietorships. And out of those 20 businesses, first of all, you're in a pretty great place, Mariah. If you decide to focus specifically on Rhode Island, for example, not even 50% of those photographers even had a brand position statement. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but one of the ways to create a, a clear and distinct brand position statement is just to make the statement, period, right? If there might be a variety of wedding photographers, there might be wedding photographers who, who like to them, legacy is everything or to them, fun is everything. But if they're not actually stating it, and building a whole experience around it, then there's an opportunity for you to, to grab that position in the market and run with it. So if you have over 50% of your businesses that haven't even made a statement at all, they just have some pretty pictures and some text talking about themselves or whatever, you've already got a leg up if, if you're thinking about putting a statement on your site. There were seven businesses um, from whose websites I, I wrote down position statements. These are not, I'm not suggesting these are necessarily good statements uh, or even technically position statements, but uh, nonetheless, I found them on the sites. Two or three of them, I had to actually scroll down below the fold. And, and this is something we talk about a lot on the podcast, but if you're going to have a position statement, put it above the fold. What that means is without having to scroll, the potential client is seeing that statement there on your website. So they type in, in this case, piperbrownphotography.com. They might see a really beautiful image, but with that image or underneath the image, depending on the format that you're looking at, mobile or desktop, they have a clear and distinct position statement, which can be read in two or three seconds. They immediately know what you represent. Um, I had to scroll for at least, I think at least two of the websites that I found. Nonetheless, here are seven position statements just for some awareness and the consideration of comparison and contrast. The first one was Rhode Island's premier wedding photographer. This is a very broad and kind of general statement. And uh, even despite the fact that Rhode Island in that, that area, that market is relatively small, you're still dealing with a lot of photographers. So to come out and say, I'm the best, uh, which is essentially what that statement says, is a bit gutsy a move. And you'd have to do a lot to own that position statement. It's, it's I think at this point, too broad, too general, um, and not very strong a position statement. Nonetheless, that was theirs. Another one was timeless imagery for the joyful romantic. I mentioned this one earlier, a bit vague in nature. I mean, naturally, if somebody's getting married, they're probably in some form or fashion, at least a little bit romantic. So that's kind of stating the obvious. Romantic is a kind of a cliche word when it comes to photographing weddings. So using a word that everybody else is using, not a great idea. Joyful, again, kind of a vague term to use here. And, and what's the opposite of joyful? Are there, there are photographers that are shooting, you know, unjoyful or unhappy weddings? Probably not, at least not trying to. So it's not a particularly strong statement. The third statement I found was making you look and feel fabulous. Now, this was an interesting one uh, because there's nobody else talking about this. I, I would potentially take out the look because somebody might logically ask, what are you suggesting? I don't already look fabulous. <laughs> so I might take that out and I might just focus on making you feel fabulous. 
which is a really interesting one. In fact, I've talked to at least, I think, two photographers now where we talked about playing on the idea of helping the other, the person on the other side of the camera feel comfortable and running with that position statement. If they land on the site and the position statement that they see is, I help you feel comfortable in front of the camera, or I help you feel fabulous in front of the camera. Oh my goodness. I was nervous to get photographed. I've never been in front of the camera before, but you're going to help me feel fabulous in front of the camera. And then I see images that back up that, that statement. Oh, I'm done. Like sold. I'm hiring you now. Right. Um, So that's an interesting statement. I think it can be refined, but nonetheless, another one, a fourth one, Rhode Island wedding and portrait photographer, very general. Uh, Another one was professional photography in Newport and Providence, Rhode Island. Again, very general, nothing distinct about it. The sixth one was a Rhode Island uh, wedding photographer specializing in weddings in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Um, Again, very vague, general, uh, not vague, I'm sorry, but very, very general, not specific enough. And then the last one was a photographer specializing in candid, authentic, and unobtrusive wedding photography. Now, that that was relatively specific, and it's kind of interesting because uh, whereas so-called photojournalistic wedding photography used to be a very popular thing to say, mm-hmm. maybe eight, 10 years ago, it's not as popular anymore. Nobody in the market's stating it uh, outside of um, there was a larger company that was kind of running with that position, but no other sole proprietor. I think the message could be refined, candid, authentic, and unobtrusive. You could probably pick a better word and just sum it up with one word rather than using three different words there. But if this photographer ran on that position all of the imagery on their site backed up the notion of photojournalistic wedding photography, um, then that might not be too bad a position. So that's your competition. Um, mm-hmm. Mariah, what do you think just hearing some of those position statements so far? So for the ones that mentioned the place, at least I know for a fact where they, they want to work, yes. you know, so Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Yeah. the premier one. Okay. So you said best when I heard premier, I thought, first and i don't oh, know why okay you know that was yeah. the first thing i thought of or like like a like a new uh photographer yes i don't with the exception of the unobtrusive person i don't really know i don't know anything else like i don't i don't get i don't know what this person's personality is like mm-hmm. i would have to i am definitely so these are my rhode island photographers and then i just have to look at work and so if I didn't have imagery in front of me, which I clearly don't, you know, I, I still don't know anything about them. Right. And, and so you point out a couple of interesting things. First of all, this is actually a great exercise that our listeners should also do, which is look at position statements uh, or even have maybe ask one of their friends or family member to pull position statements from websites and let them just hear them. Uh, and then maybe even write down some position statements for them that, you know, the friend or family knows you pretty well and they write some statements down and, you listen to them. What does that sound like without looking at imagery? That might be kind of an interesting exercise to go about in this brainstorming process of coming up with a position statement. What comes to mind before I even see any pictures to go along with it? And then the, the, the pictures are kind of the icing in the cake. Having a pretty picture, by the way, on our website is not difficult to do. There are tons of photographers out there that can take a, a decent picture, touch it up in Photoshop or Lightroom, put it out there. That is going to sell a client to a point. But what we're trying to accomplish here is to communicate something that is distinct. And then the imagery is supporting that. Um, That's kind of the goal. So, But you pointed something out that was interesting. The premiere, you said premiere, the idea that came to mind for you was first. Uh, For me, it was best. And this highlights something really important when it comes to creating a position statement, which is that we don't use words that have... Uh, shall we say, vague or arbitrary or even subjective meanings. I mean, we live in a culture in 2020, right, where 
basically everybody defines a word for themselves, whether they do it intentionally or not. Sadly, um, it complicates personal relationships. It complicates business relationships because not everybody's using dictionary definition of a word. So when we're creating, when we're crafting a position statement, we have to make sure that we're using a word that is not necessarily fancy. It's not necessarily complicated. It's very, very simple in its description or its meaning so that there's no confusion about what it means in the context of being a photographer, wedding photographer, portrait photographer, or otherwise. It's really important. So I'm glad that you highlight that. Uh, yeah. But you're right. There's there's very little distinction in these position statements. So that's one thing to recognize. I, you should also be encouraged because, again, out of you know 20 or so businesses, only not even 50% had statements, and most of those are pretty weak statements. So you have kind of the world or your market is your oyster. You can come out and just, you can decide what you want to be and you can own it and you can run with it. So you have a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility in here. If you were in you know the middle of New York City and you had a thousand photographers to compete with and 60% of them had position statements, you'd be in a tougher place. Uh, that's not the case here. So it's, that should be encouraging to you. <laughs> yes. Um, I was actually, as you were reading them, I was trying very hard to, you know, so I, I, I'm part of a community of photographers. So I'm like, I wonder who's that is. Ah, and yeah. I'm running through photographers in my head. I'm like, I can't tell. <laughs> but you know what? That also highlights something that we were alluding to earlier, which is, I mean, the, the whole point behind a position statement um, is that it, if we're doing a good job as photography business owners, as marketers, ultimately, the moment they hear a business, they'd be like, you know, take the, the whole words photography idea I suggested with black and white photography. It's somebody hears my name. If I'm doing my job right, somebody hears that name. They're like, oh, that's, that's that photographer that only shoots weddings in black and white, right? Oh my word. I, his work's incredible. I don't know if I could, if I could only do black and white for my wedding, but oh my word, that work is incredible. So there's mm -hmm. distinction because it's, it's unique. It stands out. I've done my job as a marketer to, to create that association between the business and the idea that the business represents. Um, and then naturally, it's going to act as a filter. This works for them. It doesn't work for them. But if in this case, it's interesting, you point out, you, you can't, at least not very easily, remember what photographers might be associated with those brand positions. And so, again, there's a wonderful opportunity for you to come yeah. out and just be like, I'm going to own this market. And here's the position that I'm running on. So let's get to position statement and um, or at least possibilities kind of explore this idea and just for reference for everyone, for yourself, Mariah, as well as our listeners, uh, there are at least four different ways that um, we can go about establishing a clear and distinct brand position. Number one uh, would be to be the first person to own a position. So what I mean by that very simply is if nobody in the market, we're going to use an uber simple example here. If nobody in the market is saying, I am you know, Rhode Island's wedding photographer, for example, if nobody is owning that, if nobody's coming out and saying, I am the wedding photographer that you want in this market, there is an opportunity to own that position. Now, it, that would be a difficult one. And it's most cases probably only relevant in really small markets where very little marketing is going on for many of your competition. But that's one way to do it. Second way to do it would be to offer a service that doesn't exist. So the, the black and white wedding photographer, for example, as I mentioned earlier, that would be an example of a service that doesn't currently exist in the Chattanooga market as far as I know. No other photographers are only shooting in black and white. So that's a service that doesn't exist. And the moment that I come out with that and I run with that position, I'm going to create distinction because nobody else is doing it. Um, a variation on a... Actually, let me back up just a little bit. That's one way to look at that. The other way is if there is literally no, let's say, dog portrait photography in a market. In some markets, there may not be. There might be an opportunity to offer a service like that um, that doesn't exist. Now, again, in a market even as the size of Rhode Island or, or that New England market, 
Um, likely you're going to find a dog photographer. You're certainly going to find a wedding photographer. You're going to find a portrait photographer. So that actually brings us to the third step, which is a variation on a service. So just a basic service. Does it exist? Does it not? If it doesn't, maybe I do that. The third is a variation on a service. And that's actually a better example of what I was referencing earlier, a black and white wedding photographer. Or mm-hmm. kind of taking us to the fourth step, I can say I only photograph weddings in black and white, but I do so specifically for skateboarders. So now I've not only stated a variation on a service, but I'm only going to photograph skateboarders, the skateboard community. So I've called out a target market. Now you can do this with a particular, um, shall we say, subculture, um, or I could just do this simply by calling out a particular market. I can say I'm Chattanooga's black and white wedding photographer, but I could get even more specific and call it a particular subculture if that's what I want to work with. To our earlier conversation, if I do that, I just have to make sure there's enough business in that market to support the business model. If not, I might have to broaden my market. Do those points make sense? They do. They do. Cool. You make it sound so easy. (laughs) (laughs) My fear is I'm just talking way too much and too fast through all of this stuff, but I, I want to make sure that underlying everything that we do that you do now that you do moving forward as you continue to refine this and for our listeners too if they're going through the process that they at least understand the underlying principles behind it um that always enable us because it'd be one thing if i could have you on here and and you know let's say share five examples of a potential brand position and you'd be like oh thanks so much and you're on your way but if it's it's better if you understand the principles behind it what the process looks like that enables you and you'll ultimately be able to come up with something that that's i think more effective in the end So let's just jump to potential position statements here. Um, Based on the conversation that we've had so far, based on what you're hearing from uh, or hearing as far as your your competition is concerned, is there any phrase or phrases? Are there any phrases that have come to mind just as we're talking? I'm shaking my head because this this is where I I sort of struggle. So I I was thinking about all the things that that sort of make me mean, um, ways that I have connected with uh, clients in the past. I'm a big, if you haven't picked up on it, I'm a giant movie buff. Uh, my family and I, we, we converse in movie lines on the regular. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll, here, here, is, here is relating to you, talking about the significance of connection and relationship. So I'm a bit of a nerd as well. I've recorded almost a thousand movies uh, in, in my IMDb account that I've watched and rated. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> now, so are you what? Well, I was just going to say the pro- the problem I have is that my memory is terrible. So I, the yeah. idea of reciting lines or remembering, I'm awful with that. Uh, no, it, it depends on the movie, but you know, there are certain things where we just say the lines back and forth and um, my kids get it. Um, it's, it's passed on to them. It's alarming. Um, That's awesome. I'm a sci-fi person. So, you know, okay. very much Star Trek, mm. not so much Star Wars. Sorry, everybody. Oh, uh, my no. How dare you? Star Wars. My head, no, I don't not like it. I just more of a Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. My husband is very much Star Wars. All right. You know, kids are a mixture of both. And then, so I'm trying to think I've connected with people that way. I think one of my favorite moments was when I was doing engagement pictures with um, a couple. And I was trying to get my son to adjust the reflector. And I said, Aziz, light. And the groom was like, yes. You know, because it was a fifth <laughs> element. that's all I said okay you know um and so those types of things I think is where I make those connections or if it's through music or you know something like that Mm. like 90s 80s music but I'm I was thinking statement anything that 
would be um I I, I, I other than um, that I'm a fun quirky person, you're a fun nerdy photographer, wedding photographer, Southern New England. But then I would have to. So if I say that, but then I don't have the nerdy component, you know, captured in my weddings. That's that's the other thing. I would love to photograph nerds, but you know. <laughs> Where I need I need those images first, so sure. those are the things that I'm, I'm sort of struggling with. But I would say I'm a your fun nerdy um, Southern New England wedding photographer. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I think you're right. Fun and nerdy could be the same thing, but not yeah. always the case. Uh, and so, if you start and and if you don't have the portfolio to back up something like nerdy, then it wouldn't make sense to run with that. So even for the time being, by the way, position statements can morph. Um, I don't think it's great for a business to constantly change their position because that can become confusing to the market. You build a certain amount of momentum once you establish a brand position and you run with it for some time and you've put all the marketing uh, resources into it, you become known for something and that can really play in your favor. So I wouldn't change it often, but there's a possibility to morph. So let's just say you start with the fun idea um, and whatever the statement ends up being, you run on that for a while and three years from now, you now have a portfolio of, you know, you've shot oh, wow. some Star Trek weddings, you've shot some Star Wars weddings, you've done these themed weddings, and now you have the opportunity to to be able to add that to your portfolio, and you want to run with that because you know there's a large enough market, wherever it might be, to do so. Awesome. At that point, you shift a little bit. There's an opportunity to do that. But otherwise, I think starting off, I mean, you could you really could run very simply on the idea of being fil- filming whatever the market name, the market that you want to focus on, whether it's Rhode Island or some other area um, there in the New England market or markets, market, Rhode wow. Island, let's say fun wedding photographer is, again, I realize it feels simplistic, but if you back it up with the experience and the imagery, that is one possibility that you could run with. Now, okay. the legacy is something else that you pointed out was really important to you. Uh, yes. When it comes to the idea of legacy and the importance of, you know, without using a really cliche phrase like capturing memories, which has probably been on 2 million photographers' websites at some point in time. Um, That's probably where I found it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but to the to that point, is there a different way in your mind that you could sum up in three, four, five words the idea of capturing someone's legacy or their family's legacy? One of the things that when we we go through albums, when I when I when we go through albums, is usually the younger person looking at the older person and going, "Oh my God, you look like that. Your hair looked like that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. And so to be able to say, "Let me help." make your let me help make the awkward 90s pictures for your grandchildren to see today (laughs) yeah you know what i mean but i I don't know how to clean that up right because we're always thinking back to those awkward pictures so how can i help you but i don't want to make you think that i'm going to make awkward pictures of you well what if if we were to tie in the idea of so this the certain sense of energy and excitement and joy that you bring to the picture uh, uh-huh. Which is very much you. I mean, it's so easy to have a conversation with you. And I can only imagine what that translates to with, with your client's experience, too. So if we were to tie some of that in with the significance of legacy, I mean, let's just start with with legacy. So you could say something like celebrating the beginning of your family's legacy. You're a wedding photographer, right? So this this family is being created on this wedding day. And mm-hmm. you're there to celebrate that the creation or the beginnings of that legacy, celebrating the beginning of your family's legacy. And then the subtext could be something like Rhode Island's 
Rhode Island or Rhode Island wedding photographer, if you wanted to add that for SEO, you need to have something to that effect for SEO at, at some point in, on the website. But the position statement being celebrating the beginning of your family's legacy or incorporating even more of this idea of happiness and excitement and joy. And again, the images should back this up. The experience should back this up. But you could say something like celebrating the joy of your family's legacy. Yeah. Okay. So see, that's, I think that's the thing is that you're saying it in plain English and it's hitting the point. Sometimes you just need to say it as opposed to trying to create some fancy way just say it. And no, that would work because everything is, a celebration, there's no way to to not be happy or excited. Exactly. You know, it's a celebration. Yeah. So and and regardless of what your celebration looks like to you, mm. it you will it will always resonate as a joyous occasion, regardless of how you show it. So if you're a very subdued person, but it's still a joyous occasion, it yeah. will still be a celebration to you. So it could be yeah. that happy it could be that quiet, happy cry. You know, the, yes. the, the, whether it's the bride and groom or the, the bride with her dad or whoever it might be, or it could be just this sheer, like party, happy excitement on the dance floor. It could look different ways, but again, the imagery should back that up. Um, and that's really, really important. The experience at the engagement session should back that up. And it, what might be really interesting to, to consider and do some brainstorming on is if, if you run with a position statement like this, celebrating the joy of your family's legacy, um, if we're, if we're going to focus on the celebration and the joy side, there's really two components here. You, the celebration uh, and the joy, the excitement of this, and then you have the legacy piece. So for the experience, or excuse me, for the imagery, as we mentioned, images that support the significance of that celebration, the excitement, the happiness. And then for the experience, for the engagement session, and then certainly on the wedding day, you're naturally already creating a certain experience which encourages that excitement and that joy and celebration. But you might even think of different ways that you could you could encourage that even more creative ways that might even surprise the couple a little bit to encouragement to encourage that sense of fun so that mm-hmm. they do walk away and they say, oh, my goodness, that experience with Mariah. It was so much fun. I, I kind of forgot at times that she was a wedding photographer. She was obviously taking pictures, but she just made the day so much more fun. You want them walking away and sharing that experience with other people, they're going to come your direction. So um, I would think about not just the imagery, but the experience. The other piece of this that's interesting, I think, for a statement like that, celebrating the joy of your family's legacy, is that you can play on legacy pretty significantly, especially when it comes to not just the imagery. The imagery can naturally support that as well. But your emphasis, I mean, on your website currently about print, and then as we talked about in conversation, the significance of albums very, very easy for you then to run a whole marketing campaign or series of campaigns if you wanted to, whether it was through Facebook or through email or, you know, for that matter, just in the conversation that focuses on the significance of legacy and why prints matter for legacy and why albums matter for legacy. And there's an opportunity to tell your story and, you know, say I'm a wedding photographer who doesn't have a wedding album. Um, There's a lot of interesting directions that you could go there, but it gives you the opportunity not just to be a photographer, but it sets you up to sell product as well, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is great for revenue, obviously, but it also is playing to your values when it comes to being a photographer. Uh, definitely. Definitely. I've already like, I think, I think it's hysterical that I have, um, I have a wedding video, but I don't have a wedding album. Really? But okay. I can't watch my wedding video cause it's on VHS. <laughs> that's how long it's been that I've been married. But then think about that for a second, you know, technology changes. 
I have a VHS that I'm not throwing away. I will find a way to get that video. But, yeah. you know, so I have to I have to find a way to sort of bring that story. Maybe I'll frame it and put it in my office. This is my wedding video. Don't be me. <laughs> well, I'll put it in a shadow box. And part of the challenge, the story is brilliant. And I think it would draw people in. Part of the challenge in telling that story would be to, to figure out a way to do it with brevity. Uh, because yeah. a lot of photographers will tell their personal story and they'll go on for paragraphs on their website yeah. and the about section or otherwise. And we have to assume, um, you know, what's, what's the, uh, how to win friends and influence, uh, influence people, uh, that, that classic book that talks about how people ultimately, that what's most important to them is themselves. So the idea that you're forcing them to read through endless paragraphs of, of stories and information about the photographer is, is kind of defeating the purpose of trying to ultimately book this client. You want to make them the hero of the stories you were talking about with Donald Miller. Um, mm-hmm. So all that to say, I would only encourage you to be brief in, in the way that you communicate those stories. But I think the stories hold significance. You have to determine if you're able to do that on the site effectively um, and or potentially mix that into the, the meeting experience, for example. But I think it's, I think it's invaluable it's just the challenges of how to, how to communicate it. How to do it. Yeah. I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I feel really good about how far we've come in the conversation and what we've accomplished. I mean, I think you even have a really great potential position statement to run on here. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, no, if I, if you could see, like, it's just a bet, a bunch of scribbles and this is how I process. Now I have to go back and, and clean it up and I'm going to write it all out. And so, but, um, you know, celebrating the joy of your family's legacy, Rhode Island's fun wedding photographer. Um, one of the things I wrote was the funny wedding photographer next door. Like, like little things like that, but that, I, I that, have to. Yeah, don't, don't minimize that. That's actually really interesting. Um, and, you know, the, the thing about saying Rhode Island's fun wedding photographer is it's fun. It, it doesn't quite carry it a lot of weight. Uh, again, Correct. I think if you backed it up with really strong imagery and experience, it could totally work. But your funny wedding photographer next door, incorporating still in some way that the the marketplace there on the site, whether in subtext or otherwise, might be might be a good idea still, because um, mm-hmm. it helps focus that message. But that's a really interesting idea, and I think it's definitely worth playing with. The other thing that I would do too, and this is something I've recommended before, but when it comes to figuring out alternatives to words like fun, for example, which can seem maybe a little bit trite, uh, there's a there's a thesaurus called Power Thesaurus. Uh, org, And this is one that I've, I've, been, I've used just recently and, and have found some value in. And so, for example, if I type in, I'm on the site right now, I type in fun. And of course, you could do this on a lot of different thesauruses, but I, I liked the, the, ultimately the examples that I got from this site. So enjoyment, for example, entertainment, amusing, entertaining, funny, amusement, enjoyable, pleasure, cheerfulness, gaiety, merrymaking, laughter, play, and, and the list goes on it wouldn't hurt to, and this is something I've suggested before, like literally make a list of key words um, associated with the experience that you're trying to create combined with the values that are most important to you. And you could potentially come up with two or three different phrases or statements um, from that list of keywords as well. Oh, I've, I've already, like there are a bunch of them that I was typing in as you were saying that. Perfect. And, um, I've seen a lot of words that people have used uh, when describing, they're like, you're so amusing and all this. That's right there. I'm entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have actually said merrymaking before. So, have so you yeah, really? this, I, 
That's hilarious. I'm a dork. I'm a dork. <laughs> I, I, you know, so yeah, this is, this is, oh, and we are huge MASH fans in our, in our home. Okay. So jocularity comes out all the time because that's something Father Mulcahy used to say, jocularity, jocularity. <laughs> so sorry. I'm sorry, Mulcahy fans. I am such a dork. No, 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 no. It's, it's all good, actually. Um, the only caveat, and you, you probably already know this, but the only caveat in using some of those words that might be entertaining or amusing to you may not resonate with. Oh, no, no, no. I would only say that in person. I would never type. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't need you running, screaming for the hills. I need to ensure that you know who I am first. Yes. And then it would make sense. And then you can go there. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, I I think this has been a good, at least start um, a good move in the right direction. And if, if you need any other support from me after the fact, I'm I'm more than glad to help. Obviously, I'm I'm really excited to see where you go with all of this. And for anybody listening in, (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) no, in all seriousness, I really am glad to help as as much as possible. Um, Will you, will you just share with our listeners one more time where they can follow you online because they may want to see some, some of our listeners may be hearing this episode in a month or two. They may want to see what that finished product looks like after you make the updates to your site or to your social media. So um, share your, your website and and Instagram one more time, if you don't mind. So my website is piperbrownphotography.com. Yeah. I am on Instagram at piperbrownphoto. Perfect. If you really want to see my ridiculousness, yes. you can also find me on um, Instagram at Mose Lens. Oh, that's... I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh. I'm searching this right now. I don't know oh, how no. I missed this. Oh, I, I, I have problems. So yeah, <laughs> Mose Lens. That's I take lots of pictures of food, and I'm I'm a ridiculous person. Now s- take... spell that out for us, Mose. M O S. Oh, just M O S. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. Lens. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Definitely going to follow that one. All right. So, but that's, that's it. And, um, I, I, yeah, there you go. Perfect. I'm really, I'm really, uh, I'm fun. I'll be honest. I'm fun. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, uh, I used to, I used to blog when I, when I first started as a school psychologist and I, I used to say that if you've come looking for a serious educational resource, you've lost your way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who I am. So, um, but yeah, no, this has been incredibly helpful. Um, and as you were talking, a lot of the things that you said, you know, some of the things that I read in Donald Miller's book were mm. clicking mm-hmm. and this is great because I need them to understand not just who I am, but what that means for them. Yes. You know, cause they know what they want Yes, and they're looking for vendors who can give them that, you know, so it's just making sure that I'm, I'm reaching out and hitting those, those points. So yes. You summed it up beautifully. Um, thank you for your time. Thanks for letting us share this with everybody. And for everybody listening in, make sure you check out the show notes too. You can go to Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Uh, I hope everybody has an absolutely lovely day. Same. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. 
visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>